You are listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 87. to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Today on the show, we are bringing you another example of art and conservation coming together. Our guests, Chad Harmon, Philip Lasinic, and Heidi Kneisel, are the co-founders of the Horns and Heroes Project, which is an art show and auction event with proceeds going to benefit the International Rhino Foundation. All three of our guests today have backgrounds in both art and conservation, and they all contribute art to the Horns and Heroes art shows in addition to running and organizing these events. They've built a unique artistic challenge into the structure of their art shows that they host and have succeeded in making conservation fun. I'm super excited to welcome the team from the Horns and Heroes Project onto the show today. Let's jump into the conversation. Uh, my name is Chad Harmon. Um, I am the director, I guess, or president of the Horns and Heroes Project. Hi, my name is uh, Philip Lucinic, and I'm the producer of the live uh, event this year. I'm Heidi Kneisel, and I am the uh, curator. Well, it's really great to have all three of you on the show today. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm going to start with you, Chad. What inspired you to create the Horns and Heroes Project? I've been working with rhinos for quite a few years uh, when my wife got hired um, uh, to leave the state of Florida and, and head to the Pacific Northwest, um, where she was working with elephants. And um, I was working at um, another zoo in Seattle. And that zoo uh, did not have uh, rhinos. And uh, while I was there, I, I, I you know, obviously kind of missed the rhinos that I was working with. They're, they're obviously my favorite animal. And um, I was just trying to think of things that I could do, you know, outside of a daily zookeeper's role um, to help what's going on with the rhinos. So I had kind of come up with the idea. I mean, the, the basic idea of the Horns and Heroes Project, as far as, you know, the the, the, the sculptures that we do and, and give to uh, talented artists to recreate and stuff like that is something that is done by quite a few different you know organizations in, in, in art shows. And I think probably every one of us have, has done something similar to that. But um, it's really, I don't believe, seen so much in the conservation world. So um, I was an artist before I became a zookeeper. I was a graphic designer and I loved art. And obviously love rhinos, and I thought maybe I put the two together, um, I could do some sort of help with that. You know, normally, you know, you go to bowling for rhinos, and you go to these other um, uh, conservation, you know, events, which are all great and which raise millions and millions of dollars each year for conservation. Um, but one thing I kept noticing when I was going to these events that it was always always seeing the same people there. I was never seeing anybody that was kind of new to it. And I always thought that conservation needed to be something that everybody was involved with it for it to work, just not those core group of people that you would always see. So I thought that if you could take a really cool event uh, with some really cool art and get people in the door to purchase them and to look at them, if they left with this really cool piece, the money would go obviously towards conservation. But if they didn't, 
it was all about them getting in there and learning what's happening to Rhino. So hopefully when they left, they could kind of spread the word and it would take off from there. It was really difficult for me to get things started in Seattle, and uh, that's uh, that's kind of where uh, Phil and Heidi that kind of came in. I mean, uh, they're definitely two partners that this could nowhere near happen without the two of them. They both not only have the talent, but they also have the know-how to pull something like this off. So, you know, I immediately went to Phil when I arrived back into Florida. My wife and I moved back here, and um, I, I think I talked to Phil over a beer. I think we we're heading to a concert and uh, mentioned it to him, and then. Uh, Sure enough, we both decided we should probably get Heidi involved with us too, and uh, the rest is history. Now it's uh, this will be the third show, and uh, we started in 2012, and uh, we're going strong. Phil and, and Heidi, I, I want to hear from both of you guys. What did you think when Chad first pitched this idea to you guys? Well, when Chad first mentioned the idea uh, to me, it kind of it, it kind of was a no brainer because I've always been involved in uh, conservation and wildlife in my whole career. I I, I am a, a videographer uh, by trade, so I've worked on a lot of television shows, uh, mainly nature documentaries and, and and television work. And I come from sort of a music and art background myself. And when he mentioned the idea to me, I was like. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I uh, I was immediately on board, not only because I I love the the combination of both things, but I wanted to support my friend and his idea, and um, just kind of took it from there. You know, it just it seemed like a really cool idea. I could kind of visualize how how something like this could grow, and that's what we've we've done with the project. Yeah, we've. Um basically taken it from a, a small event uh, compared to right now. It's grown quite tremendously. Um, when I first heard about this project, I was extremely excited. Um, not only am I an animal rights activist, but um, same thing too with conservation. And also um, art is a huge part of my life. So um, taking all of those items and turning them into one big event was extremely appealing. Backing uh, Chad with his passion as well is also something that I wanted to do. So um it's it's been really fun this year's been really we have a lot of talented people involved and um it's really just awesome to see what people produce and uh have all these artists then learning more about um as chad was saying they're actually educating themselves about um the plight of the rhino and what they can do to help out not only just making an art piece for the show but a lot of people have gotten directly involved the horns and heroes project definitely has a really unique and I think interesting artistic style associated with it. So um, can you guys just explain this style for our listeners? You know, when we were growing up, you know, I, you know, I'd watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom or I was, you know, uh, watching Jacques Cousteau and stuff like that, you know, Um, going to the zoo and, and, you know, reading um, zoo magazines and I was fascinated with dinosaurs and stuff like that. I I think, and and not to say, I, I think back then, for us, it was really, really cool to watch and to see that stuff. I think now that times have changed and, you know, with technology being right in our face all the time, I, I think one of the things I wanted to try to do or, or with the, the help of obviously Heidi and Phil was to try to make conservation cool again. And, you know, and obviously that took a – the art part of it took a huge portion of that. Again, 
We've also included a musical element. You know, this is the third year we've had a, a local musical guest um, involved with the show, too. So, we're again, we're trying to expand it, and, and, and we've done a lot to make the show grow. Um, Phil is working on a huge um, stage show um, for this. It involves a lot more technology. So every year we're trying to make it cooler. And, you know, the whole point, like, you know, our logo is a uh, – a spray can um, with our, our Rhino logo on that. And it, it's kind of more of like, you know, we look at street art and graffiti and stuff like that. And, you know, um, so many great street artists out there that are, are making their voices heard, you know, by, by putting this really cool artwork on, uh, you know, for everybody to see. And I think that's kind of where I got the idea from the street can. I think we're just taking, we're trying to take a different approach to, what a lot of other conservation organizations are doing. I'm just trying to look at uh, another way to just try to reach a few more people and uh, to really kind of make, again, like I said, conservation, I guess, cool, you know, for something that everybody would want to be a part of, you know. I see what you're saying. Like, it's it's definitely not a sterile black tie event. Um, it's something that's very comfortable for everybody to come to. Um, yeah, we do have it in a nice, classy venue at the Abbey this year, and um, which is the same place we had at last year. However, um, everybody, we, we make it comfortable enough so anybody can come out. And um, it's an event where even if you don't feel like you want to uh, purchase one of the high dollar pieces, you can come home with something still. Um, and it's really just about packing the venue with people who want to see the art, want to mingle, talk about stuff, read some of the literature that's there. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Because it's, it's just going to be a great event. You know, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, we were used to, you know, you, you look through a lot of organizations. You know, I, I read emails all day for, for my, the work that I do. And, you know, very few good emails come across my desk. It's usually about, you know, this rhino was poached here and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And you, you just constantly hit with all this negativity. And you're right. It is. Rhino poaching is an absolute horrible thing uh, to look at. And. You know, it, that only reaches a few people. A lot of times you're inundated on Facebook and stuff like that with all these just horrible images. And, and that that works with certain people. And I think that we want to, as Heidi said, you know, make it inviting with something really, really cool and hopefully change people's minds about it in that way. Yeah, I, I think the science and the negativity part of conservation really can be inundating for a lot of a lot of folks. And I think we found a way to make it cool, like Chad was saying, and exciting, but also have a message that resonates. I mean, if you get people excited about the art, the music, the event, the night, they will go and tell others about what happened, and then those people want to get involved, and it sort of spreads a lot faster than if you were just to rattle off uh, depressing scientific facts about about these things. So I think we found a way to to kind of take something that's that's horrible, flip it around, get people really paying attention but actually being proactive with how they can help. And that is creating art that will hopefully sell for money and then that money can go to actually make a difference. So I, I just kind of wanted to explain something about this event and sort of the theme and, and how you guys structure this thing. You guys are basically creating this molded cast 
of a rhino horn, and then you're selecting a group of artists and sort of giving this representation of a rhino horn to an artist and saying, go wild. There's a lot of kind of components to that. Um, the first year we actually did a, um, a, a sculpture of a, a, a rhino horn, just that obviously that's the main problem with everything that's going on with rhinos. And then uh, the second year we actually did a, a, a rhino bust, a, a black rhino bust, just the head. And then this year we've done a kind of a smaller version of a, of a Sumatran kind of maquette of uh, a rhino now each year we've you know we've chosen a different sculptor to actually sculpt these pieces and we wanted like a a blank canvas for everyone to actually start on um and then you know this is where you know heidi and phil kind of came in where um brainstormed you know who could we give this to we didn't want just sculptors you know we wanted um artists of all different types you know um graffiti artists and illustrators and we've got tattooers and we do have special effects artists and you know, all kinds of medium. Also, we were looking to have people kind of think outside of the box, not make them feel uncomfortable, really kind of um, kind of look at their limits of creativity and really kind of go crazy, go creative on these pieces and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool to see. Um, and we always hear, I think it, we're used to hearing from people, oh man, this really gave me a hard time, but it, it turned, but they always say it's one of my favorite pieces that they've done. It, it's supposed to be kind of a fun really way to get people again to to kind of use their creativity and maybe you know work in a medium that they're not so comfortable with working with and a lot of times we actually get artists that's like you know i've never worked with epoxy skull before this was a really cool experience i'm going to work with it again so there's a lot involved with just that the the sculptures themselves and then this year we added another piece to it um as heidi mentioned before we've had you know we have people it is an auction, and, and we've been very fortunate and very lucky to have pieces go for, you know, quite a bit of money, which is which is obviously great for the cause. Um, but then you do have people that um, would love to donate something but just don't have it. So if we have these canvases, um, we can actually not only auction those off, but we can actually get prints of these canvases and actually sell them for, you know, uh, a lesser um, dollar amount so people can actually take these home. So we're trying to every year again, going back to trying to grow and trying to make new ways to look at things and do things. We're, we, you know, we're constantly trying to add different elements. I mean, do any of the three of you participate? Do you, have you created works of art for these shows in the past? We all uh, actually contribute uh, every year that we do this. So all of us will have a piece in this year as well. Maybe if you get, if you guys could just sort of speak to like in a personal way as to like how do you go through that process and like how are you inspired by your own artistic style but also you know your awareness of this really dire conservation threat. The very first year, I, I think I wanted to approach it to where I was getting some sort of message across, as well as creating something that people would want to have on their mantle. Um, so the first year I created something, I kind of uh, actually broke the law. <laughs> I think about it. Um, uh, it was it was called money for nothing, and I basically uh, tore apart uh, dollar bills and kind of made like a paper mache around the the rhino horn. So it was kind of a bold statement that with the money, you know, it, it's useless. Once it's once it's torn apart, you can't you can't use it for anything. Um, just like a rhino horn, a, a rhino horn is useless if it's apart from the rhino. And so that was my message behind that one, and it was kind of a uh, 
you know, some some folks got it, I think, right away, and the others took took a little longer. But that's kind of what I was going for with that one. The second event in 2014, um, I had uh, my son was on the way. Um, he was born New Year's Day on two, 2015 New Year's Day, so. Uh, my wife was very pregnant in <laughs> 2014 in late September, so I was I was thinking of something that that I could kind of combine, you know, my my son entering the world and sort of a lo- you know a message of enduring, uh, you know, wildlife conservation with the rhinos, and that was. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to see rhinos in the wild with my travels uh, for work, um, and that is something that I want my son to be able to see as well. I want him to be able to see these creatures in the wild as, you know, as it was intended. And so I created um, basically a small sandbox, and it the, the main the center point of the sandbox was the was the rhino bust, the black, uh, black rhino bust. And there was actual sand and little green army men and little uh, molds of sea creatures and things like that, something that a kid could actually play with. And that was my, that was my kind of message behind that piece. So I, I, that's what I, I try to do with these is, is to, have, to have a message but have it be – really aesthetically pleasing and like this last one it, you know it could have it could be actually a, a toy that a little kid could play with so that was that was sort of the, the story behind those also matt i mean heidi and phil are also the the mcs for the auction which is really great because you know phil was able to tell a little bit of that story to the audience um and i think actually this year one of the things that you know heidi's included is when we we just had a, a piece drop off over the weekend, and um, one of the things that we're asking the artists is kind of the question that you just asked us was, you know, what what kind of inspiration did you have? Just so we can maybe tell a little bit of the story behind, you know, why the artists did what they did. And I think that's, again, just taking it in another direction that we're, we're trying to uh, come up with. When you see a piece that's up on the screen, uh, we also want to highlight that artist and tell a little bit about them, tell a little bit about their piece, and make it a little more personal to involve the artist a little bit more as well. Art is all about storytelling and, you know, a piece of art is a lot more compelling if there is a story behind it. And if you're aware of that and, and, you know, there's the artist is right there and they can vocalize it. And of course, you know, this, this whole larger project that you guys are undertaking, the, the horns and heroes project. Um, I mean, that in and of itself is a story about connecting art with conservation in a, in a unique way. So how do you decide you know, which rhino conservation projects you're going to support? And then are you like working to sort of connect direct conservation action with a sort of theme for that year's show? We actually work very closely. Our our main um, organization that we donate to is the International Rhino Foundation. I work closely with the IRF, um, not just with the Horns and Heroes Project, but also through work. Um, And and that's an organization that I've learned to really kind of kind of trust. Uh, I like where the money is going. I, and I've actually seen firsthand, um, I was invited um, uh, by the IRF uh, last year, actually, to actually go to Indonesia to see where the money that we raised was uh, was being spent and how it was being spent. And um, you know, we I got to travel to Sumatra 
and uh, Java to actually see firsthand and, and meet the uh, Rhino protection units that were actually doing the work. So uh, it's really great to see that. And I think it's something that we have a really great partnership with the International Rhino Foundation. Um, definitely value what it is that they do. And um, from here on out, um, I think that th that's definitely our, our main uh, organization that we were, are raising money for. I have a I have a hand in sitting down with um, some of the board of directors and discussing you know where it is that we would like the money raised to go and, and where it's needed most. The heroes portion of the Horns and Heroes project has to do mostly with the the boots on the ground, the men and women that are definitely risking their lives for for very little pay. You know, working long hours and uh, time away from family. Um, and I, I, the majority of the money does, does go to help them, whether it's with equipment or the first one we purchased, uh, we helped purchase dogs, um, anti-poaching dogs. So um, a lot of it does go to them. Um, and this year um, we've obviously picked the Sumatran rhino. Uh, the money is going to go towards um, obviously the um, SRS, the Sumatran rhino sanctuary um, in uh, Indonesia to help, uh, with the uh, population management of the rhinos that are, are being held there. The majority of the media attention that we hear about rhino conservation, at least in the past couple of years, has been focused on rhino poaching in Africa. It's horrific to see the poaching, or the type of poaching, I should say, that's happening in Africa. We've all seen those pictures. They're they're absolutely horrible. It's 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 nothing pretty to look at. The crazy thing is, is that if you look at what's happening in Indonesia and in, in Sumatra and Java, you know, though the Sumatran rhino is actually the, the animal, the species that actually is, is being hit the hardest. And it's not due to the poaching that we see in Africa. It, it's due to deforestation. It's due to encroachment of uh, human encroachment. It, it's due to all these other things that are making it difficult for the remaining Sumatran rhinos to get together and, and breed. A lot of it has to do with invasive species. Now, to show a picture of a part of the jungle that's covered with all these invasive species that are basically ruining the canopy for sunlight to come down and, and, and grow the the browse and whatnot that the, the Sumatran rhino needs to eat. You look at that, and then you look at a picture of a rhino with its horn cut off, and obviously one is definitely going to make more of an impression than the other. And I, I think that that's part of I think that that's part of the problem is is the fact that people don't understand that what's happening in Indonesia is is just as just as serious if not more serious. I mean, we have approximately 60 Javan rhinos left. We've got 100 and just over 100 Sumatran rhinos, and uh, you know, it's it, if we can't get them together to actually breed and make other Sumatran rhinos, that population is going to die out. It's going to die out very very soon. I guess I'm wondering if there are any sort of personal stories from artists that, you know, sort of make a connection between, you know, like specifically what's happening with the, the Javan rhino and the Sumatran rhino, which are facing these very different threats than rhinos in Africa. Heidi, did we have a couple of cool ones at the, the other night? Yeah, yeah actually there are. Um, one of our artists, uh, Hennessy Luther, brought in a um, her piece, and her piece was uh, essentially created inside of a crate that had a fragile spray painted to the side of it. And the uh, front and the back end of the crate was open. And I asked her what that meant to her. And um, she uh, basically took a couple of minutes to talk to me about it because she was having a hard time relaying it because it was very personal to her. She said that the rhino um, to her is very fragile 
And um, the thing that makes it very fragile is the strongest part of its body to her, which was the horn. And um, she left the, uh, that's why fragile was sprayed on the side. And uh, she left the front end and the back end open because it's always searching for its freedom is what she said. And um, it's partially um, protected, but always still vulnerable. And I thought that was a nice one um, because she obviously put a lot of thought into her piece. Yeah, that was, that's a really cool piece. Yeah, that one's great. Lucifer is from the 2014 show. And again, I don't know. This is kind of cool, again, with the fact that it, this may be what she was thinking. She actually collaborated with uh, two other artists, uh, a glass um, artist and uh, um, the other one does like uh, terrariums. Terrarium kind of stuff. Terrarium artist, yes. But it, what, they, what they did was they removed the horns and they used glass. They redid them in glass. And then inside the glass were these little terrarium, you know, like, and they were spray painted gold. Um, and, and to me, you know, as a person that was looking at it and not really knowing what the story was, it, it, it was very powerful to me because I saw obviously – you know, rhino horns being this fragile like glass and then obviously you know we know that they're worth more than gold on the black market but the, these flowers that are also fragile and living you know what i mean and so i got this really kind of strong story connection you know looking at it that way and again i'm not sure what her story was behind that if she meant to do that um but it, it was something that not only a lot of other people kind of saw it that way too and it was a very very powerful piece yeah, she did actually. She um, chose the terrains in each one uh, to represent uh, different environments that certain types of rhinos were living in. I'm not exactly sure which ones that she said she uh, pulled the terrains from, but she did research on the areas and the flowers that she painted on the side of the rhino represented um, indigenous flowers to those areas as well. And doing a three-person collaboration like that is very <laughs> difficult, and they pulled yeah. it off very well. But Matthew, that's just another thing that we're seeing. You know, we're, we're even seeing the artists. It's becoming like a uh, like being at the drop off, you know, especially uh, in 2014, you remember the three of us were there, you know, we had this, Phil was able to bring uh, this uh, truck in that we, you know, we, uh, we had everybody show up and drop them off. And literally the first person that showed up, you know, stayed until all of them and everyone just kept kind of staying. It was like Christmas and just seeing what everyone brought. And, you know, it was this big camaraderie of just everyone like, Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, how'd you do that? It was just, Every year we're seeing more and more artists try to be like, not really outdo one another, but to try to, it's become kind of this, you know, inner um, competition, I guess you could say, which is, which is, which has been very, very helpful. I think you guys are on the cusp of your third event. So tell me a little bit about what you're most excited about. What are you guys experimenting with this year? And, you know, what should folks who are attending uh, this upcoming event expect to see? I mean, I don't know, Matt, to be honest with you, at this point, I'm scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, excitement has, the excitement hasn't completely reached me as of yet. I'm usually I'm usually freaking out right up until the last minute. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, as Heidi mentioned before, you know, I'm very, 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 very excited for this year. Um, you know, I, every year we try to push ourselves. You know, Phil's really, like, stepped up with some really amazing ideas as far as getting the, the, you know, the stage portion of it involved and in, in, in really kind of getting the artists more involved. You know, we, we kind of work on a three tier. What we're trying to do is obviously, um, you know, raise money, 
raise awareness about rhino poaching, but also, you know, this is, this is an Orlando grassroots kind of uh, organization. It started and it was all just to kind of help, you know, local and up and coming artists kind of get their names out there too. So I think adding this element of, you know, really kind of showcasing the artists with their pieces this year is going to be a really huge part of the show this year. The word of the show is definitely hero and we've got a theme for it. And, you know, obviously, as I mentioned before, the, the, the rental protection units are the, the heroes, but it, it's all of us. It's everybody that w- is there that night that is supporting uh, rhino conservation, that is donating money, that is spreading the word. They're heroes as well, you know, maybe on a smaller scale, but they are definitely heroes too. So that's, I think this all comes together to really add an element to the show. Uh, but as Heidi said too, the, the, the artists this year, they, they just, we have a lot of the same artists that have come in, um, and they've stepped up their game and we've got a lot of new, you know, upcoming artists that are super impressive that, you know, are just amazing, amazing artwork. So I, I am very, very excited about that part of it. Not only like is there upcoming artists too, but we also have some artists from out of town. Um, some people that um, have been on a couple of reality shows. Um, there's basically a very nice mix of, um, from as Chad was saying, up and coming artists to very established artists. Um, and they all, it's, it's just really, it's really nice to see everybody's piece together because everybody has the same common goal. And, um, at least from what I've seen so far, we've got some tremendous work that's going to be on display. Something that you can't replace is the electricity of the one night only event, um, that, that we put on because once live bidding begins it's it becomes very electric in the room not just the people up front but people all the way to the back of the room and it's just very strange to watch people even even if they even if they spent you know hundreds of dollars maybe thousands on a piece they will still stick around and watch the rest of the night because when bidding wars begin on certain art pieces the adrenaline kind of kicks in and I think people, people know in the back of their mind that, you know, this is all for a wonderful cause. It's not just about, Hey, I get to go home with a great piece of art, but Hey, if I, if I, if I win this piece of art, this, this is not the, this is not the the end. It doesn't just go home with me. My, my contribution lives on and it goes, it, it goes to, uh, to help the greater good. It, it was really cool to think, you know, last year we did, you guys did what, 70 pieces in what, three hours or something like that we did? It was two and a half. Yeah. And it was, everybody was still there. You know, the doors open at six o'clock and, we had over 400 people, and again, I can almost guarantee that there was 400 people, maybe even more, still there at 11 o'clock when we were finished. So it's really cool to see that. For folks who you know are maybe listening to the show, who are maybe uh, in Florida and close enough that they might consider attending the event, give us the rundown basics, time, date, and you know what folks should know before they show up. The event is on uh, Thursday, September 22nd at the Abbey, uh, and that's in Thornton Park in downtown Orlando. Um, and our event's going to go from 6 p.m. until 11 p.m. But we have a we have a very tight schedule, so um, we're going to have uh, a musical uh, guest, Maximino, uh, playing from 6 till 7:30. And during that time, it's also going to be the uh, auction piece viewing. 
and also doing some announcements and have some speakers. Susie Ellis, uh, Dr. Susie Ellis from the International Rhino Foundation is just going to kind of speak a little bit about um, uh, where the money is going to be going this year and stuff like that. And then I'm um, going to head right into Heidi and Phil and start the show. Yep. Straight at, right at uh, 8 p.m., right up until 11. For folks who don't live in the Orlando area, um, I mean, is there any way for them to participate on any level or maybe just check out some photos of some of the unique art that was created this year for the event? Everything pretty much sells at auction. Um, again, I talked earlier about uh, the canvases that we've added this year. So we will have prints made of the canvases that we will be selling at the show and then possibly online afterwards. So people can um, donate that way and actually purchase the prints online. Um, we also have uh, our own clothing line too, where we do t-shirts uh, where various artists um, donate um, and design their logos uh, for the t-shirts. Um, so there are other ways that they can purchase and contribute, you know, via our website and uh, Facebook page and Instagram. Over the next couple of weeks before the show, we'll start uh, showcasing some of the different pieces that are going to be on um, on display and up for auction that evening. And then after the show, we'll obviously have piece, uh, pictures of all of them. So you'll see little sneak peeks here and there up uh, up until the, the the night of the show itself. Chad, Philip, and Heidi, it's been. Uh great conversation. It's really fantastic. Like I said, you know, I mean, this is the area that I'm most interested in. So I mean, these are the interviews I really love doing talking to folks who are, you know, blending art and conservation in unique ways. So thanks a lot to all you guys for the conversation. It was great. Well, thank you for having thank us. Matthew. Matthew. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. All right. That was our conversation with Chad Harmon, Philip Lisinic, and Heidi Kneisel from the Horns and Heroes Project. I love the unique approach that this team has taken towards conservation-themed art. Not only have they created an event that stands out, but they have placed value not only on rhino conservation, but on the health of their local art community as well. I see this fusion between a global perspective and the connection with rhino conservation, as well as the local community, as a central component to their success. So if you live in the Orlando area, you definitely don't want to miss this event, which is coming up next week on September 22nd. If you live elsewhere, it's worth checking in on the Horns and Heroes website to see how this year's batch of rhino art has turned out. You can find that link as well as a few photos from past year's events over on the show notes page for this episode. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org slash EOC87. That's W-I-L-D-L-E-N-S-I-N-C dot org slash EOC87. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by The Humidors. The Humidors.